0: pushkin
1: the most innovative companies are going further with t-mobile for business the pga of america is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with ai coaching tools and 5g connected cameras aaa is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics and the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for business. Take your business further at t slash now. a room upgrade don't wait to make smart financial decisions compare and find smarter credit cards savings accounts and more today at nerdwallet.com reminder credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply nerd wallet finance smarter what if ai could help your business deliver mission critical outcomes with speed
0: with ibm consulting your business can design build and scale trusted AI using Watson X. And modernize the way you work to accelerate
1: real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM.
2: Let's create. But I also just love the immersion in a character or a an atmosphere. I love that on its own, even without the audience aspect or the attention aspect. I, I like the world of it. I love, like, I mean, like when I would come home and reenact those movies, I didn't need anybody else to watch me or do it with me. Like, I, I would dress up as a ninja and just play in my room by myself, being in, in that world in my head.
0: That was Mary Holland. I'm Sam Fragoso, and this is Talk Easy. Welcome to the show. Last week on the show, we had... Uh, Keith David sitting down with us. He has over 300 credits in film and television. I bring him up today because the great joy of doing this show is that we can have on someone like Keith David who has done every kind of film and every kind of show and every kind of project for over 35, 40 years. And then just seven days later, we can have someone on like Mary Holland. Mary is one of the funniest people, I believe. Known primarily as uh, an improviser, she performs regularly at the UCB Theater here in Los Angeles. There, she's part of a Flagstaff group called Wild Horses, alongside Lauren Lapkis, who came on this show two years ago. She's also guest starred on a number of television shows that you have consumed in the past few years, Comedy Bang Bang, Silicon Valley, Parks and Recreation, The Mindy Project, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, New Girl, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Veep, Happy Together, Fresh Off the Boat, somehow there are still a handful I've left out. And yet, despite the fact that she's appeared in all of these shows, and that she's starting to appear in more movies, including one called Greener Grass, I contend the best of Mary Holland, whatever that looks like, has yet to happen. And I think the most exciting part is that it's definitely going to happen. She has this kind of singular perspective in her comedy. I see it as wonderfully eccentric, specific to her upbringing in Galax, Virginia, and then her time going to college in Chicago. She's at once Midwestern and then very California. She's clever, but never cloying. I am I, I'm constantly impressed by um, her point of view. It's one that I haven't seen in contemporary comedy. Which kind of brings me back to Keith David. I love having people on who have lived an entire life and have done everything they've always wanted to do in um, art. And then I love having someone like Marion who is just finding her footing and doing really well right now but um, has so much more in front of her. So we talk a lot about improvised comedy and finding your footing in a scene Going to college at Northern Illinois, working at Medieval Times, and then um, after we make a few green book jokes, it gets real. So, without further ado, here is Mary Holland. Mary Holland? Yes. Uh, welcome. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you look like you were surprised that I said your name and that you're well, in my I house.
2: Well, I so rare like my full name. It feels so like like mm-hmm. I'm I'm here present. You yeah, know.
0: it feels like school.
2: Yeah, it feels like I'm being called to attention. It's
0: rude. I actually feel like that's more natural to say your full name than just Mary. just mine
2: specifically. I li- no, you like you like my here. full name. I
0: like Mary Holland. Oh, thank you. It has a good flow to it.
2: Oh, I like hearing that. Thank um, you.
0: There's one very specific reason you're here.
2: Oh my god! <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's an odd way to start a sentence. Um, <laughs> okay, so I saw your show that Janixa was on. Yes, and you made a joke in here <laughs> where you come to the front of the stage and you talk to the audience, but then it like it it toggled back and forth between third person and engaging with audience. And then you made a, an Ingmar Bergman joke.
2: Oh my god! <laughs> it, All of this. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to remember. Keep going.
0: And since you made that reference in that joke, because you you were like three sisters up there, and you were like up oh, against yeah. up against the window, and you were doing, and I was so blown away by it that I thought <laughs> anyone making a Bergman <laughs> reference in a, a UCB show should come on this podcast. Oh, so. That's about the most random of reasons oh, to have you on.
2: Well, I, I so appreciate. I I remember that scene. What was that the bit, by the way? I, we always just discover what we're doing as it's happening. Like it's it's a mystery to us until it happens. Mm.
0: Um, there's no prep there. At there's all?
2: no prep. No, no, no. But but it sort of felt like what the magic of it that I feel like happens sometimes is we we all have this there's this sort of unspoken agreement of what we're doing, of, like, the genre we're doing or the style of scene. And I feel like with that one, I remember that it was, like, very theatrical. I couldn't believe it. Like, yeah, it was so fun that we all immediately, like, recognized what each other were doing and, like, leaned into the theater of it. Yeah. Which I think stylistically, like, led to, like, some really fun stage picture and, you know... Um, It was
0: in sync in a way that felt planned. Oh, that's
2: so nice. But it's
0: really, it's interesting because I I do see shows every now and then Mm -hmm. and it doesn't work out like that. Like there are many times that I've seen many very talented people do things that are not very good because on any given night, it can just not.
2: Well, yeah, it's hit or miss. I mean, yeah, that's, that's kind of the thrill of it is like, when it works, it works so magically that it feels like an out of body experience. I
0: was wondering how do you feel about that inconsistency of it like because there's not a guarantee no <laughs> but I, I guess maybe it's true of all things, but I have a feeling that right. like every time Lady Gaga performs like ninety percent of the time it's going pretty well
2: yeah, but i I feel like that's a tough comparison because what she, she's she's doing songs she's sung before, like right. like and also she uh her voice i'm sure is. I feel like there's spontaneity in those performances, and she does things with her voice that maybe she's never done before, or uh, whatever. There's really
0: really no app comparison, I don't think.
2: Yeah, because like so many factors go into something working, and sometimes all the factors can be there, and it still doesn't work. Like Mm. it's it's just like I don't know. There's this this X factor to it that I think is addictive. Like like as a performer, it's like. I mentioned to you that we just got a puppy and um, we're like really into the, doing a lot of the training with her right now. And a lot of what we have read about and have been told about from various training resources is dogs and also humans really respond to this lottery psychology, which is, it's why people like love gambling and i think also why improv is so addictive is that it's like sometimes you get like the jackpot Mm -hmm. and it it's um it's a feeling like you've never like it's the best and you're you're getting all this all this money or uh, not from improv but that's that's the slot (laughs) machine (laughs) you You guys aren't
0: all rich doing improv
2: no i am but Uh, right most people no um (laughs) or you you get this reward and you're like oh my god this abundance of reward mm-hmm. and then you play that machine again or you do that improv another improv show and nothing mm-hmm. you lose money or you you sort of are like oh i did yeah, really like bad lab. you flat yeah but then you're like but next time i could i could get that feeling again i could like do that have that magic again and even when it with improv when it doesn't go well it's still it's still fun, like you're still working this muscle and it's creative and it's you know, you're you're putting yourself out there in a way that is just satisfying, is fulfilling to do mm. that, even when it doesn't go well.
0: Do you know when it's not working?
2: Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> like how apparent is it?
2: Oh, it's it's uh very apparent. And it's <laughs> not just the audience not laughing. I mean, for sure that's the best indicator, <laughs> but <laughs> But it's like, and it will it will put you in a slump as an improviser that you, like, I feel like I freeze up in my head and I can't think of anything. I can't, like, I'm not fully engaged in in the moment, which mm. is when it feels the best, when I'm just, like, there with the, my scene partner or the team. and Completely immersed. Ha- yes, completely immersed and having fun and not in my own way. And when I go through these slumps... I stand right in my own way and I start overthinking things and then and then I start being like I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a fraud. Like pe- I'm I shouldn't be up here. I shouldn't be up here with these people and like this happened recently at a show that had audience members who paid a good amount for a ticket and I was like, "Oh my god. I this is devastating. I'm these people paid money to see you to see me and I'm I've like fooled them all into thinking I can do this and I can't do this. Um and then how did it go? <laughs> well, I was like in that mentality in the middle of it, so even when it feels like to me it's a disaster, I'm sure it's fine. Like pe- like people aren't like throwing things at us. You know what I mean? Of like it's it's at worst it's just not funny or whatever, but
0: But also I find in those shows, as an audience member,
2: uh-huh.
0: um, if I'm not seeing a friend do it, if I'm just going, everyone there wants to have a good time. Uh-huh. It's not... Yeah, it's they're not yeah, yeah, they're on
2: your side. Yeah, they're on
0: your side to, cheering a, to you. a wild degree. Yeah. To know, like, yeah. You could deliver like Green Book mediocrity and people would be <gasps> fine oh, with it. Oh, here
2: we it. go. Now we're getting into it. <laughs> Let's talk Green Book baby. <laughs>
0: Here's, here's Green what I, book uh, you know, we, we promised each other that we weren't going to talk about Trump. But I have, the, did. I had have this theory for you. I want to give it to you because <laughs> we, we don't know each other. But I, I want to ask you something. <laughs> okay. I think Green Book is the Donald Trump of movies.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> I can explain.
2: <laughs> Please tell me more.
0: Um, It is politically and ideologically regressive. Yeah um yeah it is fueled by whiteness mm-hmm. and the main thing the main thing that made me think about it is that it had three different campaigns to take it down including vigo mortensen who's a really lovely guy and came on the show but he said the n-word in a q a that happened that was a headline What? yeah oh my pete god. Harley admitted to showing his dick on set over 500 times oh my god in the past and the most important thing is that they did not talk to Don Shirley's family.
2: Right, oh, right. I did hear about you that. Hear about that's that one. fucked up, so, yeah. So that's there's yep.
0: three narratives. Mm-hmm. To me, this is a Trumpian kind of movie mm-hmm. that could not be taken down. And the only thing that can't be taken down is true whiteness.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I, I definitely the I did not know the Vico Mortensen thing or the Pete Farley thing, but um <laughs> That's very disturbing. But I did know that. I, I remember reading that about Don Shirley's family. And I also like watched that movie and was like,
0: ugh. How?
2: How? And this is so, it's just so clearly, it's, safe, it's so safe. It's so like middle, so just, it's from a specific angle, like you said, like this white narrative and it's, it feels very, very dated. It feels like, how is this?
0: And we celebrated it.
2: And you know what? But it was the best picture of the year.
0: <laughs> and, but it, and, it was the be- and it was the best film. And, we, and, and we, it was. We must remember that. That and Bohemian Rhapsody.
2: Oh, gosh. Oh, boy.
0: Um, <laughs> Let's not even get into this.
2: Uh, look, that we one, could go on and on. That
0: one is really. I almost <laughs> never talk about movies on this. I don't know why I'm bringing this up with you. But that movie is. Truly stupid.
2: I I haven't seen that. Okay. Movie. Well, no, I didn't see that. Movie. Watch it and get back. But to I wait. will. I will. I'll. I'll, and I'll come back on, and we could talk about it.
0: But something that's not stupid is your comedy. Mm,
2: oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um. Oh, but I was yeah. going to ask you. Is, yes. So
0: we got there from people being on sort of your side going into the shows,
2: Mm-hmm.
0: which is true of right, which is rarely true of movies, but it seems to be true of improv. I want to know. When it's not going well, and you know it's not going well, Mm -hmm. are you and Lauren communicating that to each other? Like, can that be told between the four of you?
2: In the middle of the show? Yeah, can
0: you see it, like, in your eyes? Like, oh, fuck, that's not working.
2: Our MO as a team and as improvisers is is just make it work. Like, be in it, make it work. And so... I do feel like there have been some improv sets we've done that have been tougher than others. And when they are tough or it feels like it's not going well or like for whatever reason the scene feels really complicated or just like, like, for example, like a thing I was doing a lot that I'm really trying to be better about is part of what we do is we weave in details from the interview with our guest like with Janexa and we weave those details into the improv scene and when that happens organically it's so satisfying everybody's having a good time but i found myself like shoehorning in these details mm-hmm. in a way that that got a fast laugh but ended up taking away from the reality of the scene or like this right. this world we were building um because
0: callbacks generally do well
2: yeah callback look everyone loves a callback okay
0: (laughs) what is that expression (laughs) the way you're like listen listen you can quote me on this okay
2: everyone loves a callback um
0: (laughs) (laughs) is that what you want on your gravestone
2: yeah that's what i want on my gravestone here lies mary holland everyone loves a callback
0: it's true though (laughs) It really is true. People it really do true. love callbacks. No, they
2: do. It's very satisfying to our brains. Like humans, like we love patterns and it's really interesting to think of comedy in those philosophical ways where it is like, oh, it's it's setting up a pattern and then mm-hmm. breaking the pattern.
0: But you almost are suggesting that it's too easy.
2: Not callbacks in general as being too easy. I think callbacks when done like with a certain amount of... Um, deliberation. Yeah, deliberation. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. and and sparingly and like selectively uh, callbacks can be the perfect button they're so satisfying they're amazing but when you just what I was doing in the shows and uh, like it was just like oh here's like I'm just gonna throw in this fun detail that apropos of nothing happening in the scene like when if we're like in the scene and we're talking about hair dryers (laughs) go on (laughs) I know you're riveted now. Um, and we're talking about hair dryers. And I remember this part in the interview where we talked about like, oh my gosh, the, the there was a time when I was hit, blow drying my hair and I got electrocuted. And then I somehow weave in the detail of like, I either get electrocuted or I bring up electrocution. That's very satisfying because it's it happened organically and it mm-hmm. happened, it was earned versus like a callback that's just like slap this on it, you know, right. which is what I was doing. And it, it, that does get... It's a way to get a laugh, but it doesn't stick. Mm-hmm. It's like it doesn't stick to the scene. It's not and long It doesn't lasting. help it grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. Get it. Exactly. But I do think that th- when a scene is going well or not well, it's all hands on deck, no matter what. But afterwards, for sure, there's an acknowledgement of like, yeah. oh, that felt tough or that, that was hard or like, what are, was, yeah. What
0: are those post game breakdowns like?
2: It varies from team to team. There's some groups I play with where we, we don't really talk about it. We, we just kind of like the, the show is the show and you move on. It existed and, you know.
0: Because people don't want to talk about it?
2: Uh, I don't know if it's that or if it's a, it's the kind of thing where once you've been playing long enough, you just like, you know what didn't work. And it, it's not, like, I feel like when you're first getting your feet wet and doing shows and like trying to really get better at this thing you're you're definitely more down to like look at a show and be like okay what why didn't that work and what I'm trying to understand I'm trying to learn versus like once you've been playing for a while and you 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 know what didn't go and you don't really need to like talk about it or some people don't want to yeah i feel like with wild horses we will there's no Shying away from like saying that that was tough or that that felt Hard for some reason or that that felt not grounded or Mm what like we do talk about it I wouldn't say we like go through and Analyze the whole scene, but we we do talk about our how we felt about it
0: How long has that group been around for?
2: We formed in 2013. I think so almost six years five
0: six years now. Yeah as the four of you Mm -hmm. have changed in those five, six years, which I'm sure all of you have in varying ways.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: How has that like shaped and affected the comedy?
2: That's a great question. I think one way that it's shaped our comedy is that we initially started just doing improv scenes. Like our shows would just be improv. That's how it, we started as a team, but then we added in this interview element when we got like a, a regular show at UCB. And I feel like over the years, we've all, from doing this, this interview part of our show, have that part I feel like is sometimes the strongest part of our show. And initially in 2013, I would have said, Oh the improv is going to be much stronger like the interview is to help give us some ideas to play with mm-hmm. but now it feels like it shifted in we have a rapport with each other as friends off stage as friends on stage as friends with the audience as like like there's a real rapport that's been built up over yeah. the years where i feel like the the interview has now become the driving force of the show and Mm -hmm. like the improv is now like the cherry on top of the sundae
0: why do you think that changed
2: i feel like i don't it was such a gradual thing but i guess i can speak to it from my perspective which is like i'm not someone who's super confident about my point of view (laughs) um like i feel very is that true yeah i i question myself a lot and I'm not great at decision-making for that reason. Like I'll, I will very much go into a store or like listen to music or see a movie, green book excluded and be like, do I like it? I, what does it feel like when you like something? Like I, <laughs> I, re- <laughs> I really uh, question my opinions a lot or I don't, I don't fully trust them. And uh, so what I found with Wild Horses is in the interview we share so much about ourselves and we share so much with the guests that I've, I've really gained an awareness of, oh, people do like to hear what I think about a thing and me chiming in about this is funny and good. <laughs> so I feel like in... There's almost like a confidence I have in those interviews and in the improv afterwards. Sometimes that that I don't have normally in my life. Like it's it's your kind of like life. a yeah, it's kind of like a um super me, you mm-hmm. know. Um, it's the most confident version of you. Yeah, exactly. So that that's how it's changed for me is that I've it's really made me into. A, yeah, a stronger version of myself.
0: Is it about indecisiveness or some sort of like insecurity?
2: I think a gorgeous mixture of both. Um, a really beautiful, attractive, <laughs> really <version>. beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: totally makes sense that you're going to make a joke in that
2: one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am insecure, but, and I am indecisive. I'm I'm also insecure about how indecisive I am. Like <laughs> I I wish like I see like someone like Stephanie, it, it honestly, all three of those women, Aaron, Lauren and Stephanie, are so they're all so smart and so funny and so has such clear points of view. And I love hearing their points of view so much. And I really feel like, oh, I wish I had that point of view. Like I get jealous of their clear points of view, and Mm -hmm. I wish I had one too. But what I bring to the table is, you know, vagueness (laughs) or like a a sort of, I don't know.
0: You really believe that?
2: Yeah. I just, I, and maybe it's not fair to like compare myself to someone else, but I, I do I just, I'm, I'm really in awe of them. I admire them so much and I, I feel like lucky that I get to be up there with them because I don't see myself as having the same clarity of perspective as they have.
0: Mm. Did you feel that, that you were indecisive or vaguely insecure mm-hmm. like in college in Northern Illinois?
2: Nice. You looked up what college I went to. Very nice. I think you went
0: to another school too. I did. I don't remember the name of that
2: one. Well, what am I doing here?
0: I don't know. <laughs> Hanging out with Dalitza.
2: Yes. Um, I. Yeah, I, I've I've carried it with me most of my life, um, but uh, I think that is what happens when I perform—is that that kind of goes away, and that's probably why I love performing so much is that i can can really lose myself in it and it's easy to like as a character have a clear point of view and i love having like Mm -hmm. i will find a clear point of view and commit fully to it as a performer Mm -hmm. um do you have siblings i do i have a sister and a brother so
0: you grew up in virginia Mm -hmm. i didn't know you had siblings i do are you middle child Youngest, youngest child. Okay, mm-hmm. so that that could explain it, maybe. Yeah, youngest yeah. seems like a real pain in the ass.
2: Yeah, I also though I sought out the most attention, and I think because I did, I I got the most attention. <laughs> um, but it's because I really worked for it. I really like. I, I feel like was a such a goof and a show off. Not not a show off, but like a, a real look at me kid. Mm. Um, did
0: you know that at the time? Oh, yeah. You uh, did?
2: I Yeah, I, I knew that I was like...
0: You were that self-aware.
2: I knew that I loved it when people looked at me. Mm. <laughs> I wanted people to look at me more. I was a real cut up in class. I was very disruptive, actually, as a student in elementary school, big time. What would you do? Oh, loud jokes and impressions. I remember I would do this thing in fifth grade it's not that funny, but, and actually, maybe if you asked my peers at the time, they'd be like, it really wasn't that funny, but she thought it was so funny. She thought it was so good. She thought we were laughing really hard and we really weren't. Um, I would stand up and I would just, out of nowhere, just say, um, Captain John Smith. <laughs> and I'd do it in a, and it would come out of nowhere. Like, I feel like we covered him in a, some, his lesson on history and then i would just keep doing that throughout the school year
0: you would just stand up
2: i would just stand up and put my hands on my hips and just say captain john smith in a very funny voice and what i thought was a very funny voice and my teachers would get super annoyed i remember there was another time in fifth grade where i asked the teacher i was like this is gonna be so funny we were talking about health and wellness (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know especially the latter yeah especially the latter as a 10 year old and i raised my hand i was like this is gonna kill and i said where do boogers come from (laughs) and i like looked around and people like were kind of chuckling but i i lived for that like
0: you thought it was really gonna land
2: yeah and i those moments where everyone was looking at me and reacting to something i said i loved you like that i like that
0: but the joke didn't work
2: no and uh, you know i'm not sure that most of my jokes do but but that's not the point the point is i get someone's attention i hold it that's even not for the a point. moment right
0: <laughs> just for one second just
2: for one second that's all i need
0: um here's a story i'll share fifth grade oh great um this is really I want to preface it by saying I'm not proud of this. (laughs) Um, Fifth grade, social studies, Mrs. Rice. Mrs. Rice has to be about 75. Mm. Too old for fifth graders. Mm -hmm. And she would teach using that chalkboard, and she would, for extended periods of time, write on the chalkboard. You don't like this already. Now, so we would, when she turned around and was like teaching... social studies, I don't even know what the hell we were learning, American history, Uh we would move collectively, all 30 desks, really close to her, (laughs) so that when she turned around, we were all (laughs) right there.
2: Uh, Now that's a good joke.
0: It really was, and she always was like, what's going on? I don't understand. I would
2: laugh so hard. We were dying laughing.
0: (laughs) But she was an old lady. Yeah. And so she turned back around and ran on the chalkboard, and we'd all move so far back to where the distance, like, half of the room, it was just between the teacher and all of us. And there was always, like, two kids who were like, I'm really good. And so they wouldn't move their desks, and they would stay there. But the rest of us would die laughing.
2: That is such a good joke. It's also harmless.
0: But also, I, I, I don't... I was thinking about for you, did you have a moment when you're that age or even even in high school where you thought, oh, not only do I like making my classmates laugh, which I always did, mm-hmm. but I never had a moment where I thought, oh, I really want to do comedy. Like I, I thought, oh, I'd mm-hmm. like to be funny for the rest of my life. I hope that can happen. Yeah. But I never thought, oh, I want to like, do comedy.
2: Yeah, I don't know that that was a clear thought in my head either i knew i wanted to be an actor i knew i wanted to be in movies you did oh i dreamed dreamed about it how did you know that i just knew i don't know it was like i feel like it was just always in my bones i guess i would my sister would get so annoyed with me because i had this very irritating habit of whenever we would go and see a movie we'd come back home and then i would I would like, and I didn't need anyone to play it with me. I would just play it on my own, but I would then reenact, reenact it. Yeah. And I loved getting totally immersed in other worlds. Mm. I loved movie soundtracks. Like as, as I became a teenager, I was obsessed with movie soundtracks, like scores, movie scores, film scores, and listen to them all the time and would just fantasize about like being in whatever that. Not even necessarily that specific film, but but a world that that music fits mm-hmm. if that makes sense. it does. I'm really into fantasy period. I see pieces. that is like i I really love that. That's my dream. Is
0: that about escape?
2: Maybe. I think it's also though those in those worlds, life has such uh
0: like a vibrancy to yeah, it yeah
2: yeah there's there's it's so cinematic and sweeping and romantic and thrilling and um and
0: you find in comparison day to day life to be boring
2: mhm yeah is that actually uh, true <laughs> definitely i feel like when i was younger and, and as i grow older life like i see the adventure in my day to day for sure and i enjoy those you know fantasy films as much, but it it I feel like when I was younger, I was like, "Oh, if only my life had a purpose, like mm-hmm. in this kind of world." That the you know.
0: Did you feel like you were finding purpose in college? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: uh, yeah, a little trying, uh, trying. Searching. Well, the the program I was in in college was really it was like an intense Meisner acting program, mm-hmm. so so there was a heavy focus on like scene work and, you know, these projects we would do for our various classes, voice and movement and, and acting. They it, it required a lot for, for the students, and so I, I was really immersed in those pursuits and was definitely I felt like that did give me purpose, but I I would also say that I still didn't know what I was doing. I mm. was like trying to figure it out, but it was I was still kind of fumbling around, like lost within it. it. Is
0: it strange to reflect back on that time for you? Mhm. I can feel that.
2: Yeah. It is weird. It's weird because it's it feels like a whole other life. Yeah. Like I feel like I can look back at chapters and just be like that that was all part of the same life. It's right, just so strange sometimes.
0: Which chapter are you thinking about? Like the medieval times chapter.
2: <laughs> you sneaky, <laughs> um, Mary. I, t- I told you this is
0: a different kind of show. <laughs> I'm not. We're not doing this whole dilly dally. This feels
2: like a gotcha interview. This okay, okay. Like, oh, get
0: the hell out of here. <laughs> I have no interest in that. <laughs> you went. You you did. Uh, you were you were an employee at the Medieval Times in I Schaumburg. Was, I was a place I went to
2: many times in the whole. Oh, that's amazing. I'm from Chicago. <gasps> oh my gosh! I drove. I'm. You might already know this, but I drove 100 miles round did, trip I know to this. work there through the like back roads in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Like I I what I would think I was on the interstate, maybe just a few miles. Like. I really drove through those like state roads that kind of ran,
0: and you did it because you loved it and you needed a job.
2: Well, I think ooh, I think the job thing. Ugh, I mean, I was making six fifty an hour. Right.
0: That was the answer you gave previously.
2: Yeah. So it was certainly not. I wasn't making any money. Okay. I was losing money. You were just loving it. <laughs> I was just loving it. I was just loving just getting immersed in a world like that.
0: Aside from you actually working there, what are you like in your early mid-twenties?
2: A real shithead. Mm -hmm. Uh, You
0: lead with a joke every time when it becomes (laughs) vaguely serious, which I don't mind. I I understand (laughs) the approach. But I will say, what's a shithead to you?
2: (laughs) Not much consideration for other people. Like very consumed with myself but not even in a way that was super productive or creative it was i like
0: what do you mean by that
2: i guess i mean i was i selfish just like a selfish person but i wasn't channeling that sort of focus on myself in any way of like learning more about who i was or like improving myself in some way or or it just felt like i was just a kid just like a self self self-involved kid who I I just feel like I didn't have much consideration for other people and or like yeah is there a
0: specific example you're thinking about
2: well yeah there I feel like there is there's a moment that that comes to mind that I'm like I mean for sure I made mistakes and like hurt friends and did all kinds of things that I d- I'm not proud of. But there's a moment that comes to mind that I was like, why Why did I think like that? Where I was with my boyfriend in I was with this boyfriend for like six months. Um,
0: You're 24, 25?
2: I was 20 and he was 24. He was in the master's program and I was in the bachelor's program at this school. And I, we were like... In bed together one morning, and we were talking about someone else in the program, someone who is uh, uh, younger than me in the program, and he made this observation. He was like, "Yeah, she strikes me as kind of a lone wolf." And I, in my head, I was like, "I want to be a lone wolf. I want people to look at me and think she's a lone wolf." And I was like, "And why? Why am I in this relationship? Like, I." Uh, I was so consumed with how I was perceived or how I wanted to, it was just me, 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 me. What do people think of me, 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 me? Like I feel like I wasn't even fully engaged in that relationship. Not that we were the best suited for each other. Anyway, but.
0: That moment's vivid.
2: Yeah, I just really wanted to be perceived a certain way or just I was consumed with how I was perceived. I think that has carried over like that is what manifests in my mm. now indecisiveness and insecurity is like that there's tieovers from that of being so worried about how I'm being perceived. And if, if that's like, like, I, I really think that my opinions are like, this is what I think, right? Is like how I feel like all my opinions are phrased is like, <laughs> this is what I feel about that. Is that good? <laughs> It's just constantly, there's always that little bit of like, you like that? Do you like that? Do you like me? (laughs) Um, Both
0: to yourself and the person you're talking to.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Yeah. But like when I say shithead, it was mostly just like, oh, I was an even worse version of the qualities in myself that I don't love. I, they were like in full bloom then.
0: Why do you think you're so preoccupied with people's perception of you?
2: Because I I feel like that is that defines me. Like that's uh, that's my identity.
0: Other people's ideas.
2: Yeah. Things really got real. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, uh, excuse me, I just, I, it's, yeah, it's something that I think I just have to keep working on. And I think like, when I think about Aaron and Lauren and Stephanie, I'm like, oh, they, they know who they are. And that I think is, I I don't fully and so I rely on other people's ideas. Mm. I'm so sorry. No,
0: it's okay, Mary.
2: Goodness gracious.
0: That's totally fine.
2: Um, but yeah, I, I, I yeah, I think that is what it is to me is like okay, if they think I'm that, then I must be that. Like, I don't really know without that.
0: And you're grappling with that. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It's <laughs> like when I first started going to therapy, this was a few years ago. One of the first things I said to the, the therapist was, I was like, I don't know how to shop. That was the problem I was coming to her with. But I was like, it becomes this identity crisis where I'm like, am I a crop top person? Like, is that, I like it. Mm. Do I like it? Like, it really uh, manifests in the silliest ways. Right,
0: because you think it's emblematic of a larger Yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. And I think that is why I love acting so much is that I know who those the characters I'm playing are, Mm. and that's and I can like
0: you get to decide.
2: Yeah, I can like step into the that skin.
0: I don't mean to point something out that may be obvious, but you also get to decide your character.
2: I, I know that that's true but i think it's again it goes right back to okay i think i'm this person is that good like like it forever I'll, i'll be in that cycle until i'm not and i'm just still figuring out how to get out of it or how to like gradually unlearn that habit
0: has it gotten uh easier or more difficult with age
2: it has gotten easier to recognize what the feeling is but i wouldn't say it's gotten any easy the, honestly the only place where i feel like the most uninhibited in myself is when i'm performing and i did recognize that with age like oh i'm somehow like when i'm on stage or i'm doing improv or i'm working on something i'm i'm like fully playful and that's i see glimpses of who i who I am my, my heart but it's when I'm just like in the world and trying to just have life stuff that I I sort of freeze up with it and that part has gotten more because as I age I'm having more responsibilities and having to make more decisions mm. and so being indecisive is uh, a problem <laughs> you're right <laughs> or it, it Yeah, that definitely becomes more difficult with age.
0: How does your relationship with your parents affect this? Because I know that you are very close Mm -hmm. with them.
2: I think because my focus has been on getting other people's either attention or approval, that was like my go-to way of interacting with people for so long that that is why I feel like they hold all the power. Like... Other people hold the key to whatever I am. Uh, I don't. It like comes from them. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part of like how I was raised in my childhood is that my parents were also like, I was totally given room to be creative and on my own and imaginative, and like I wrote stories all the time. And I, you know, I once I had an idea for a business. When I was in second grade and my mom was like, okay, (laughs) I was like, I'm going to make, I'm going to open up a store in our backyard and it's, I'm just going to sell drawings of the Great Wall of China.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what is this going to (laughs) be? This is going to be really creative and strange (laughs) and it's somehow more creative and more strange and also... More dumb than I could
2: have imagined? And we lived in the middle of nowhere. So my idea was, oh, people will come from all over and they'll come by my drawing of the Great Wall of China. And then I tried to draw the Great Wall of China once. How did it go? Disaster. And I was like, okay, <laughs> well, I'm not going to do that. Um, but they like I was sort of left to my imagination a lot of the time. So I think, I think that that environment I grew up in also fostered a creativity in me that, gave me the drive or the the sort of playfulness I still have and, and that I think allows me to pursue this as a career. Um, but I also was like constantly wanting their attention and they were very stressed out, busy people with three children. And, <laughs> mm. um, and so it wasn't like my siblings and I fought for attention. I wouldn't say that that was the case, but... I I would say I battled their everyday life stresses for their attention, like their work stresses and their rel- their marriage and their their obligations outside of family and home. I was like oh, how can I how can I get it? How can I pull their attention away from that? Mm. Um and so, yeah. I don't know if that answers your question.
0: I think you answered it. Okay. Has the the will to grab people's attention blended with this desire to act? I mean, that is the the job.
2: Yeah, I think they are hand in hand for sure. But yeah, I think they're they're for sure complementary goals. Like I do want attention and I do love to perform and when you perform you get attention and that's great mm. but i also just love the immersion in a in a world or in a character or a, an atmosphere i love i love that on its own even without the audience aspect mm. or the attention aspect I, I like the world of it i love like i mean like when i would come home and reenact those movies i didn't need anybody else to watch me or do it with me like i i would i would dress up as a ninja and just play in my room by myself doing it for you yeah and just being in in that world in my head so yeah so i think they it does acting does accomplish the goal of getting attention (laughs) but it's not the only reason Mm. that i'm drawn to it
0: has it gone how you thought it was going to go when you wanted to become an actor as a kid
2: i could never have foreseen it taking the shape that it did i i I had so little information as a kid of what this career looked like mm. that I was like, oh, you get movies and you do that. But the day to day the, you know, the even just the world of auditioning itself and the community at UCB and the the comedy world in general has become a a massive part of my life and my career in a way that I never knew or had the information to know that it would happen like that so but i would say that it's like i i think of it as a rock i don't know that it's the proper image (laughs) but i I, there's a like rock in at my very core that is so rock solid because it's a rock and (laughs) and,
0: um the rock is rock solid (laughs)
2: and firm and and has zero self-doubt and is like i know to my core that i'm supposed to be doing this i'm going to do it right. it's I, i'm there's no there's no question of what what i'm moving towards and that's been there forever but the the way that it's taken shape and how the 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 layers around that rock have changed is For sure, like, whoa, I never imagined that it would happen the way it did or that uh, I would be down the path that I am Mm. and where I am in it. And um, yeah, but but that like, yeah.
0: And not only career terms, Mm -hmm. I want to ask, we started this whole thing talking about improv having the potential to be like the lottery.
2: Oh, right. Mm -hmm.
0: Which I really love that image. What does the lottery look like for you as a person in the world, like move, moving forward? And I don't just mean in career terms, just yeah, two people who've just met. I just, I'm curious what that looks like for you.
2: I feel like to me, the lottery would be, there's the, there's the things I want in my life, financial security would be great <laughs> you know things like that that i would fit my lottery but i think like for myself for who i am my lottery would be being able to um shed the layers of insecurity and indecisiveness and self-doubt i have and like go to that rock i have inside me and go to like that the um uninhibited playful part of me that comes out when i'm doing improv or performing and like my lottery would be if that those parts of me fully took over and i was able to just be wildly creative and f- focused and have had the courage and my conviction with my ideas without second guessing them like i i would love to just sit down and write, 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 write and just like see what comes out and uh, yeah, I, th- I think it would look to me like I had just leaned fully into all of my creative aspects and, and the self-doubt was no longer, was I'm sure will always be there, but is no longer such a major player in my head.
0: Do you think that's possible?
2: I do, I do. And I think it. I, okay. I have to like retrain my brain. I need to go somewhere. I feel like I have to like go somewhere and just think for a week. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I don't do that. I don't just sit down and think. And I I need to like remove all distractions and just like go deep and think. And then I think I'll be on that path.
0: Mm. I maybe should have said this before we started or at any point during the last hour, but um, it probably goes without saying, I, I really think not only are you talented and that I think you offer something, f- the, the, the thing that we keep coming back to in this conversation is, is this idea that you don't feel like you have a point of view. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, as someone who's watched you are wrong. You just—I'm not trying to tell you. You may believe it. I know you believe it's true, but from the audience perspective, I—I I think you actually have a very d- distinguished point of view.
2: That's nice to hear.
0: And um, I really believe there's a like. I feel like you—it's we haven't even touched the surface yet of what you're going to do.
2: Oh man, thank you. That's nice. Thank you.
0: Was that too much?
2: No, that was really nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I appreciate it. Thank you,
0: Mary Holland. <laughs> it's been a joy to have you here.
2: What a pleasure! Sorry, I cried so much. <laughs>
0: Par for the course. Does it happen a lot? It happens. A oh, few. Okay.
2: So long. Bye.
0: Special thanks this week to Allegra Givens and Brad Pence. Without them, this episode would not have been possible. Mary performs regularly at UCB. She's also in an upcoming film called Greener Grass, out later this year. But if you want to learn more about her, you can do so uh, on our website at www.talkeasypod.com. You can also follow her on Twitter at mholland 85 and on Instagram at Mary Hollandaise. I really love that name. If you enjoyed today's episode, uh, I imagine you'll enjoy past conversations with UCB folks like Lauren Lapkiss and Ben Schwartz. All of those episodes are on our website, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. As always, the show is executive produced by David Chen, graphics by Ian Jones, Illustrations by Krishna Senoy. Our booking is done by Ian Chang. Our social media is done by Crystal Farmer. Our intern is Elliot Weintraub. And the show is produced by Dylan Peck. I'm Sam Fragoso. Thank you for listening to Talk Easy. I'll see you next week.